0: Hello. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope that you will be encouraged and it builds your faith. Thanks for listening. And a word of encouragement to you this morning. If you'll turn to the book of Joshua chapter 3, the book of Joshua chapter 3, I want to read some passage of scripture there this morning and just put a couple of things into your heart. And I'll pick this up next week. And um, praise God. God is good. All the time. Joshua chapter 3, I want to read a couple verses of scripture to you this morning. Beginning in verse 1. It says, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. And he and all the children of Israel lodged there before they crossed over. So it was, after three days, that the officers went through the camp. And they commanded the people, saying, "When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about two thousand cubics by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know that you may know the way which you must go." For you have not passed this way before. Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And then Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and cross over before the people. So they took the ark of the covenant and went before the people. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you for your word. Father, I just pray in these couple of minutes this morning that we could just infuse life into our hearts this morning. We thank you, God, for your word. It is living, it is alive, and it has the power to transform and to change people's lives. And so, Lord, we praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Joshua chapter 3. First of all, Joshua is, is one of my favorite books. Uh, Joshua is not a book for wimps. Um, it's not a book for the superficial or the religious. Um, it is a book of power for people who are willing to allow God to take over. It's a transformative book. Matter of fact, Joshua is the Old Testament version of the book of, a, of the New Testament book of Ephesians. Joshua is about possessing the land. Ephesians is about possessing life. And to do both, it takes courage to do both. You know, there's a difference between change and transition. How many of y'all know change and transition are different? Change is external. It's based upon uh, circumstantial. It's based upon situations. That's what produces change. But transition is internal. If you really want change to be permanent in your life, you have to make a transition. If you want God to change a situation, sometimes we have to be willing to transition into something different. And that transition has to be an internal work that helps you deal with the external so that change can come in your life. In the 1860s, there was a French writer... Who published a new genre of literature, which we today, um, an author by the name of Jewel Verne's, who who we're very familiar with. He, uh, you know, he he wrote science fiction, and he published a book called The Journey to the Center of the Earth, and. Uh, in, in the book, it talks about a team of scientists who got into a volcanic tube and went to the center of the earth. And they found all of these past civilizations, all of these prehistoric animals. They had these encounters uh, that were bizarre and unknown and different. And, uh, and several years later, uh, came out the movie 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. How many remember that movie? And uh, they had a ride at Disney World. And it's about a submarine um, that goes the depths that are not possible and encounters these huge sea creatures. And and so uh, I don't know if you remember the movie or not, but it was a a powerful movie. But out of that, um, Gene Roddenberry, who wrote Star Trek, right? Y'all remember Star Trek? Captain Kirk? Uh, these are the voyages of the starship enterprise to boldly go where no man has gone before. And uh, we love that in literature. We love that in literature and on TV. We love it in the movies. We love it in our books. We love it uh, in, in, in uh, drama. But that's not what we really like in real life. We don't want to go boldly go to an area that's not comfortable to us. We don't like to go to places that are not real comfortable. Matter of fact, the older I get, uh, the more uh, I have to fight, fight that change in my life. And sometimes, you know, uh, I like consistency. I don't like change all the time. And, uh, and sometimes I have to allow events in my life that helped me, drive me to new things. And uh, my grandma used to say, don't be an old man sought in his ways. Which means an old soul. Transition is always a part of life that usually helps us move to greater things. Transition is the process and what God uses to move us to greater things in our life. Churches should always be Transitioning. If they're going to have an impact on a culture, or a world, or a generation, we should always be transitioning. And there should always be tran- transition that happens in the body of Christ. Some of y'all joined the church in the 70s. Do you know what you wore to church in the 70s? Leisure suits. Thank God we transitioned out of that. What a horrible fashion period was that. It's a wonder anybody got saved wearing that kind of stuff the church, right But the truth is, this morning, we're in transition. Our nation's in transition. Our country's in transition. We're in major, major transition shift in our culture and in our world. A theologian by the name of, of Joel Rosenberry, he wrote a book a couple of years ago called The Exploration, called The Implosion. And in the book, he talks about America being on the brink of a cultural war and a collapse of civility into and going into a period that has not been known before. I read an article this week on a theologian. I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Edwin Lutzer, who pastored Moody Bible Church in Chicago. The last sermon of series that he taught... His church before he retired was he taught a series on on, uh, preparing people for spiritual persecution and, and for martyrdom. He said, Because there's coming a day that has not been seen since the Reformation. And so we're living in a time of transition, change is happening. But even the church, we've got to learn how to transition. We here at RVCC are going to learn, have to learn how to transition. And, be, and, and, and we, we're going to have to be willing by faith to go where we've not gone before. To step into places of faith that we've not walked in before. And, and so we have to transition from religion to faith. We have to transition into that place. Transition means, um, you know, here the children of Israel are, are, are at the banks of the Jordan. They're getting ready to cross over into a land that had been promised to them hundreds of years earlier. They're getting ready to experience the fullness of what God has for them, the best that God has for them. They're leaving their nomadic life. Their history of being slaves in Egypt, where they were for 430 years. They're on the cuffs of a new beginning. And it's a difficult time. It's a difficult thing. It's challenging to go from being nomadic to now stepping in and possessing a land and being owners and dwellers in a land that God has given them. And not only being owners, but possessors of what God has for them. I don't want to live a spiritual, nomadic life. A life that's just wondering where I'm supposed to be, wondering what I'm supposed to do, never possessing what God has for me, never possessing the best that God has for me, but stepping into a place where I begin to possess the land and position and to walk into a future and and know that God is with me that God has is, 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 is given me territory in my life. And we as a church have to learn how to move from coming out of a place of being nomadic where we just wander around, not really knowing what our purpose is, into understanding that God will use change to trans- transition us into a promised land that he has for us as a church and as a people. That we are, that just as the children of Israel, here's what they find themselves. They have, they're getting ready to experience a new future, but to experience it without an old leader. I mean, change is coming. The Bible tells us in Joshua 1 that Moses had died. Now, we read that and we hear that, but you don't understand what that meant to them. Their leader, Moses, had, had died. Not jo- no, Moses just wasn't just any man. He was a mighty man of God. The Bible said that God spoke, has spoken to his prophets and to men through dreams and visions. But the Bible said God spoke to Moses face to face. Forty years, God, Moses, was leading the children of Israel. It was Moses that lifted up his staff at the Red Sea, and the Red Sea began to part. It was Moses that established the law. It was Moses that established the plans for the tabernacle and how they were to approach and worship God. It was Moses that turned the, 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 the rock... A water out of the rock. He turned the bitter water to sweet. It was Moses that prayed for the manna. And it was through Moses that the children of Israel came to the place where they understood and knew God. But Moses is gone. The Bible says that he's dead. And now they're wondering, who are we now without Moses? Moses. They waited 40 years to get where they are. They walked this step by step, foot by foot, through the wilderness. See, the children of Israel couldn't call Uber to get them to the Red Sea. There was no bus transportation. There was no wagon trains. There was no Tesla, right? There There was no steam engines. Step by step through the desert through the wilderness, walking step by step, depending upon God. They had come to this place. They come to this place of dependence upon God. And what happened is now they better learn how to transition because they're going into a new land and change is coming. And if they don't know how to transition into that new land through that change, then they're going to struggle deeply. I'm here to tell you we're living in an hour when the church better learn how to transition in this hour. We're coming out of a pandemic. Praise God. I said we're coming out of it. Praise God. We're coming out of it. But it's produced and we re- required a lot of change. There's been a lot of change. And a lot of change is happening. And the church Is going to have to learn how to transition into this period, into this season, and so when we begin to look at Moses, we need to learn how to transition. My grandmother used to sing an old hymn, old gospel hymn. It used to go like this: In times like these, you need a savior. In times like these, you need an anchor. But be very sure your anchor holds. That it grips the solid rock. This rock is Jesus. Yes, He is the one. Where's your anchor this morning? The question is, what are you anchored to this morning? Are you anchored to fear? Are you anchored to uncertainty this morning? Are you anchored to hopelessness this morning? Are you anchored to tradition and religion? And I'm here to tell you that if you're anchored to those things... Your anchor won't hold. We need to be anchored in the Christ this morning, into Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith this morning. And so this morning we see the children of Israel, they're camped at the banks of the Jordan. How do we respond to God in transition from, the, from what we know to the unknown? or when he moves us from our comfort zone. They're now getting ready to leave what is known and go into the unknown. They're they're leaving uh, this life that they had for 40 years, and now they're stepping into something that, that, that is unknown to them. How do we transition in this time period as the church How do we transition in our life when change all around us is going on and we're not sure we want all of this, we like all of this? But I'm here to tell you it's time. God believe God is going to raise the church up stronger than ever in this hour. And I believe God wants us to transition. We have to be able to embrace change in our lives as a church. So that we don't wake up 50 years from now and nobody's been saved. Nobody's been transformed. Nobody has has found Christ that we don't have an impact in our city and in our world where we've helped people walk through difficult times. But I think the best for us is ahead. I think God has the best for us ahead. Just like the best for the children of Israel was ahead of them. We don't like to be moved out of our comfort zones. We don't like to be moved out of what is known into a period of unknown. But some of you are in that place. Some of you are in transition in your life. Some of you are transitioning in a job or a city. You're transitioning in life in many areas. And sometimes God pushes us out of that comfort zone. And now God is taking them into the promised land to which to them they thought was impossible. That it could not be done. That it could not be accomplished. That it it was told that this cannot be done. This cannot happen. this This is something that is impossible. Stop believing that it can happen regardless of what God says. We're telling you that it can't be done. How many know that with God all things are possible? And sometimes when we move in transition, we feel that that transition is a time of impossibility. We get up and and we make statements. I believe the Lord spoke to my heart the phrase, a city can be won. I believe a city can be won. But there's some who say, that's impossible. You can't win a city. You can win a city. With God's help, you can do all things. But I want to leave with you a couple of things this morning. And give me five minutes. (laughs) Give me five minutes. I want to drop this into your spirit this morning. (laughs) That's an inside joke for those of you that are visiting. It means 105 minutes. No, it doesn't. I'm just teasing. It does not. So how do we respond and transition? How do we step forward and move forward into what God has for us? How, how, do we, how do we do it by faith? How do we leave a nomadic life as believers and step into a promised life? Or a life that is a land where God leads us and takes us? How do we do that? How do we cross over the impossibility into God's best for our lives? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to give you a couple of things. Number one, they had to look back to God's provision in their life. In verses 1 through 5 that we read, they're told that it cannot be done. They cannot cross over into the promised land. They're told Israel had a current mindset in the face of what they viewed as impossible transition. And so, three things. We have to look back to God's provision. But number one, I want you to see what they knew. What they knew about the other side. They heard it from their parents and a previous generation. What they heard was the language of unbelief in one generation produces apathy and hopelessness in the next what is unbelief in one generation becomes apathy and hopelessness in the next what is the language of this gener- what is the language of this generation or the language of the church what is our language as a church is our language a language of faith Is our language a language that we believe God can accomplish anything that He calls us and asks us to do? What is our faith language this morning? Do we have a faith language this morning? Or do we live in this posture of unbelief, not believing that God can win a city, that God can transform a region, an area, God can transform a life? Because if that is our language, then the next generation is going to be happy living in apathy and living in a place of hopelessness. Generations that embrace apathy and hopelessness will will live far below what God has for it and has promised and never possess the best that God has for them. I want to possess the best that God has for us as a church body this morning. I want to possess everything, the best that God has for us. I want us to to take territory we never thought we could take. I want us to have influence in people's lives and help build up a generation, a generation that's going to walk with confidence and faith and strong and believing that they serve a God that's bigger than their own imagination. Twelve spies had gone into the land, and they came back, and they came back, and they began to speak the impossibility. In other words, they came back and said, "This thing is impossible." We don't care what God said, and there were three things of why they said it was impossible. Number one, they said it was impossible because the sons of Anak lives there. There are giants in the land. There are giants in the land. They said, we can't go in and possess this land because in that land there are giants that are there. They're the sons of Anakin. These are, are giants that are believed to have been nine to ten feet tall. I don't know if you've seen that some archaeology has dug up some of the, uh, some of the uh, uh, archaeological bones of some of the giants in that region, the Anakins. And some of them are as tall as 9 and 10 feet tall. They're giants that lived in the land. And here is the, 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 these giants that inhabited the land. These were giants. you know what their primary source was? They were the ones that protected the princes, the Canaanite princes that lived and kings that lived in the land. In other words, they were bodyguards. They protected the princes of the Canaanite land. In other words, they protected those who walked in authority. They protected the princes, the rulers of those that were in the land. And they said that these giants are there. They inhabited the mountains, the very mountains that God said they could have. And these giants were somewhat, they were there to protect the princes that are in the land. Number two, they said they 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 are large, strong Fortified cities there. They're cities that are inhabited with people that are fortified by walls. They're strong. They're strongholds. They're difficult to defeat. God, you said when we get into the land, we're going to have to fight for the territory. But they're saying these cities are impossible to defeat. They're fortified. They're strongholds. They're strongholds. They represent mindsets or culture. The Bible tells us that when the wicked rule the earth, when the wicked rules, the earth mourns. These were strongholds in the land. These were were tribes. These were people that were, were, uh, after their own kind, they fortified themselves. They were strongholds. And you needed God in order to possess their land and possess that territory. And then thirdly, what they saw in the land was, they said that they had weapons of iron. They're not like the weapons we had. The children of Israel were shepherds. They were farmers. They were. They were. They, they weren't these that had carried. Uh, it's like bringing a pocket knife to an Uzi fight. That's how they looked at it. And what they were saying is, we can't cross over because this is what we. This is what we know. We know there are giants there. There are fortified cities. We know that their weapons are far superior than ours. But I'm here to tell you that we can possess whatever God has given us to possess. God has the ability to reach up and pull strongholds down. Amen? How many know there's no giant you can't face in life that God can't give you the weapon to pull that giant down in your life. There's no giant for this church that we can't overcome. There's no fortified stronghold, no mindset in this city or in this region that God cannot pull down. God can break the spirit of religion that's in this city that says God is in a box. God can't do certain things. God is limited to what I believe God is limited to. But I'm here to tell you, with God, everything is possible. God, if God says go, you got the go. And if there's anything in the way, God will give the strategy to pull that thing down, to tear that thing down, so that you possess everything that God has for our lives. That is what they knew. Now this is what they know. What they know is, is that God is. they're being asked to cross the Jordan at the worst possible season that there was. The, the Jordan is over flooded. It's the time of harvest. The river is rushing. You, they wonder why wouldn't God want them to cross when it earlier? It's a swift river. What happens is the snow-capped mountains in the spring of Mount Hermon There in Israel, when the snow begins to melt, they come down into what's called the Jordan Rift, which flows right through there and runs down into the Dead Sea. And in this Jordan Rift, it goes from an elevation of about 1,300 or about 7,300 feet above sea level all the way down to 1,300 feet below sea level. And it drops close to 40 feet per mile. There's a rapid descent. And you have almost a million to three million people that have to cross over to the other side. This is what they know. That's their present circumstance. Their past circumstance is they know what's on the other side. But this is what they know now in the present. And sometimes before we can cross over into God's best for us, we've got to deal with what's in the present. Their present circumstances brought a fear on them and an angst on them. And so what they knew was there were giants. What they knew was there were fortified cities. What they knew was there were were armies that had weapons that were far superior to theirs. And what they know now is that the Jordan's rivers are over flooding. How in the world are we going to cross that? There's no way. It's impossible to do. So it's what they know. And then there's what they don't know. The unknown. Verse 4 tells us, Yet there shall be a space between you of about 2,000 cubics to measure. Do not come near it or that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. In other words, this is, what they, this is what they don't know. They say, we don't know what's on the other side. We don't know how to go because we've never gone this way before. We've never done it like this. We don't know how deep it is. We don't know the variables of crossing. And some of you are at that place in your life. You have business decisions. You don't know what the outcome of those You have family decisions. You have life decisions. There's stuff you know. There's stuff that you knew. And there's the unknown. You're not sure. And what happens is there's been this paralyzation in your life. The crossover into God's best because of what you don't know. But I'm here to tell you, what you don't know, God knows. What we don't know, He does know. And when He asks us to go further and to go deeper and to go into a greater place, we may not know what it's all involved there, but we do know this. If He leads us there, He'll protect us there. He'll keep us there. He'll go with us there. And so some of you just need to transition into what God's best is for you. We need to transition as a church. So we have to understand this morning, number one, we have to look back to God's provision. We have to look back, when God is transitioning us, we have to look back at God's past provision for our lives. In other words... We have to look back and remember what God has done for us in the past so that we understand that when we step into the unknown of the future, we know that because He did it before, He can do it again. Over in Deuteronomy chapter 2, we see, we see this, this exchange. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Hear God talking about how He had brought the children of Israel. See, To understand and trust God for the future, they had to look back at what God did in the past. God brought them through the Red Sea. How easy was it to forget how good God had been? The past is not what we long for, but what we live from. I live from it. I don't live in it. I live from the past. I thank God for the past that was in my life. I thank God for the past of of where God showed up in my life. How many are thankful for where God showed up in your life in the past, and you have the testimony of knowing He was there for you and brought you through some stuff? Anybody in here, God's brought you through some stuff? God's brought you through some trials. He's brought you through some difficult times. You know He was there in the past, and so when you step into the unknown now, you can be sure the same God that was there is the same God that will be on the other side. In other words, they had to trust God's past provision and remember and live from it. They had to trust His provision and His guidance of the past. How did they know where to go? How, how They didn't have a guide. How, how did the children of Israel in the past know where to go? They didn't have a guide. Just as they're saying now. You don't know which way that you're going for you've not been this way before. But God has brought you before. How did they know? They knew because God did what? He gave them a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. He, he, they had to trust His guidance. They had to trust their guidance. When they were coming through the wilderness, they had to trust the cloud that God gave them. When the cloud moved, they had to move. When it stopped, they stopped. The cloud was a blessing. It was a covering that kept them from being blistered during the day. And it was a fire that warmed them by night. It was a blessing. You say, well, what does that mean? What does that cloud mean? It means this. It means that God's presence was with them. It means God's presence was with them. God's guidance is the fact that His presence is with us. When you step into transition and into the unknown... If you know God is with you, you can trust in His guidance of the past to lead you forward. I don't worry about this church. You know why? Because God had guided us in the past. And if He was there in the past, He'll be there in the future. So we can walk by faith and live by faith and step into the future by faith because we know the same God that brought us and begun us in the beginning is the same God that will take us over in the future. And so what is it representative of? It's representative of God's presence. You know, there's a a powerful passage there in Joshua that is often overlooked. It's first 5 of chapter 1 in the very beginning. And this is what God said to Joshua. He said, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And listen what he says. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. You need to hear that God will not leave you nor will he forsake you. I mean, this is scary for the children of Israel. Everything is changing. How many know change is scary? There's anxiety, there's tension. With change, there comes stress. See, sometimes you have to move by faith, but to move by faith means sometimes you don't have all the facts. And so change sometimes, transition sometimes, it requires us to move, but we have to move by faith and not by facts. And so change is happening. You have to believe when you can't see. You have to have faith when everything around you is dying. So I can move into the unseen. We know how to wander the children of Israel, but we don't know how to build. Do we know how to pick fruit in the promised land? Do we know how to take territory? It's when everything is changing around us, does faith have its greatest relevance and power in our life? When everything you've been, you've been leaning on is gone and all you got is God. You ever been in that place? where everything that you've leaned on and trusted in, all of a sudden that has eroded away or gone, or like in their case, Moses had died, their leader. All of that is gone. When that is gone, and and sometimes God will bring you to the place that all you've got left is God. But I love the phrase that he told Joshua. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You know what that is in the Hebrew? It means this, as I was, so will I be. It's the only thing in the text that's not changing. It's the only thing in the text. See, the region's changing. The territory's changing. The way they see themselves is changing. God's requirements for them is changing. Leadership is changing. They're in in disarray. And the only thing they have that is solid is the promise of God... As I was, I will be. Some of you need to know this morning, as God was, so he will be in your life. As I was. So in other words, God's saying, I am the I am. Everything else can change, but I am still God. I'm still here. I'm still with you. I still got you. I know you're in a new city, but I'm still with you. I still got you. I know you're in a new job, a new relationship. I know you're fighting new devils, but I'm still here. You're in a new season, but I got you. As I was, so will I be. That's my prayer this morning. As God was, so he will always be with us. Now see, you don't need this kind of word if you're not interested in possessing anything. If you just want to continue to die in the wilderness... See, you don't need a sermon like this. This is for folks who want to go ahead and cross over. I'm scared, but I'm going. I'm uncertain, but I'm going. I don't know what's on the other side, but I'm going. I'm headed that way. So they had to trust in God's provision and His guidance, in His governance, and how that God provided for them. He provided for them in the wilderness. You know, I'm amazed at how God brought provision to them in the wilderness every day. Do you realize God fed millions of people, two to three million people every day? There was a military general that did a study and an analysis of what it took for God to feed the children of Israel in the wilderness. 1,500 tons of food a day. That's a lot of food. And God fed them with manna, and he fed them with quail. In other words, his spiritual nutrition for your life is without endless supply. God brought it for them each day, every day. God provided for them. Matter of fact, the scripture tells us that the quail would come a day's journey. A day's journey was 15 miles. If you do 15 miles, pie, or round, or square, cornbread, or square, that comes out to 700 square miles. That's double of what Jefferson County is. God would provide and would bring food and drop quail in front of them. Each day, the Bible says that he dropped it just outside their tent all they had to do, now he didn't bring it to their mouth. They had to reach for it. Huh. God will bring it to you, but you got to do something. you got to reach for it. God's willing to provide, but you've got to reach for it. you got to get it. you got to go after it. And so he fed them every day. I mean, could you imagine for 15 miles, That kind of tonnage of quail coming and flying in and dropping every day in front of their tents, I mean, that's like Albert Hitchcock's movie, The Birds. (laughs) That's worse than that. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. That movie scared me to death. I never was able to watch a a horror movie again after seeing that. Y'all remember that scene when she's in the phone booth? And all them birds are trying to, I mean... I'm telling you right now, I had nightmares for weeks after that. <laughs> I was in England one time and they have those telephone booths and I wanted to get a picture in there, but the only thing that was going through my mind is like, I get in this phone booth and Albert Hitchcock's The Birds is going to take place in the middle of this phone booth. But God provided for them. Some scholars estimated that 105 million birds a day would land there. In other words, God's guidance over us. God's governance over them. And then finally, God's goodness to them. Deuteronomy 8 chapter 4 tells us that their garments did not wear out. Their shoes did not wear out. Think about this for a moment. Not a single Hebrew male had to take his wife to Dillard's, TJ T G A Max DSW Macy's the shop for 40 years. Y'all think about that. And all the men said, Amen. Right? Their shoes didn't wear out, their clothes didn't wear out, their garments didn't wear out. They didn't have the shop for 40 years. I love what John Kilpatrick said this weekend. He said this, he said, the reason why their clothes did not wear out or their shoes wear out was because the glory of God sustained them. How many know the glory of God has the ability to sustain us? And so God's goodness to them. I want to close with this this morning. They look back at past provision, but then God asked them, to give attention to God's positioning and to focus on His location in their life. You know, when we're transitioning, we have to pay attention to God's positioning and focus on God because if we don't focus on God, we can get our eyes on the obstacle or the problem. And so God, in verse 4 of chapter 5, He tells them, he said, the ark of the covenant is going to go out before you, 2,000 cubics of measure. In other words, that's about 3,000 feet. That's a half mile. And he said that let the ark of the the presence of God go before you, and it said that stay back 2,000 cubics, a half mile. Why would God have the ark or his presence so far out in front of the people? Why couldn't the people just get around the ark and go with it? The reason was is because if that would have happened, not everybody would have been able to see the ark. And so God had them brain the ark out. So this is the way that they should know the go. They had no concept of which way to go. They had no concept of where to cross or what to do. But here's the picture. The presence of God was going before them. And as they followed the presence of God, the presence of God led them in the way that they should go. Listen, in a time of change and transition, we have to focus and know where the presence of God is. And we have to follow it and keep our focus on the, on, on the presence of God. It was God's method for a season. That's not how God brought them through the Red Sea, but this is how God brought them through the Jordan. They had to get their eyes on his presence. In other words, what Joshua was telling the people, that if you're not positioned right, you can't cross over. We have to spiritually position ourselves right where we see and know the presence of God. I don't know about you, but I think it's time for us to cross over into greater things spiritually as a church. And I think in order to do that, we have to get our eyes on His presence that He may lead us where we may have never gone before. We can't be distracted by everything else that's going on in the world. Listen, that's why Peter sunk, because the wind and the waves. He got his eyes off of Jesus and got his eyes on the circumstances around him. And some of you, if you're going to pass through change and transition in your life, you've got to get your focus on God and not on your circumstances. Get your focus on the Lord, and then we need the trust in his instruction. God only, not only has a way, God only, not only leads the way, God not only knows the way. How many know this morning, God is the way this morning. They had to walk as those priests stood in the Jordan and departed. They had to walk by the presence of God. Pastor Adam, if you'd come this morning. They had to trust God. They had to give attention To God's position and location. They had to look back at his past provision. And then finally this morning they had to trust in his instruction. He told them to consecrate themselves. In other words, to prepare themselves spiritually. If we're ever going to step into new territory or step into places of promise that God has for us, we have to prepare ourselves spiritually. We have to consecrate ourselves. He said, prepare the crossover for tomorrow you are going to see wonders. In other words, the word wonders means that which we cannot do, nor do we understand with the human nature. It's beyond our power. But it's it means the wonder means the, the ability to separate. In other words, the, the ability to perform. How many know God has the ability to supernaturally perform in our lives? He said, tomorrow when you cross over, you're going to see the wonder of God. And he told them, he said, he told the priests to bear up the ark. The priests and Levites. In other words, who led them out? Leadership led them out. Who led them out? Leadership led them out. Who led them out? Those who were leaders led them out who were spiritual leaders, led them out. They went first. And he gave them two instructions. He said, when you put your foot into the water and you walk in, he said, number one, you are to stand. He said, you are to stand. The word means to remain, to be established, to abide, to become a servant, or to hold ground. If we're going to cross over, we need to learn how to hold ground. We need to learn how to hold to the promises of God and his word, his instruction for our lives, to stand. And then he said, in verse 13, he told them, and the priests should rest in the water. In other words, to put, in other words, to rest, to put a settling to. In other words, to put a firmness to, to rest. In other words, they had to get their feet wet. We have to learn to get our feet wet. See, nothing can happen spiritually until we're willing to get our feet wet, until we're willing to step into the place where difficult waters are in our community. We need to step into diff- difficult places in our community. We have to step in and help those that are hurting. Help the drug addict. Help the... Help those that are homeless. Help those that are struggling. Help single moms. Help those that are in our culture that are struggling. We have to be willing to get our feet wet and to step in so that we can see God do the wonders that He has promised us to. Step into the water. Wade out a little bit further into the deeper. I have a preacher friend and uh, Occasionally, I'd have him come and sing for revival when I was pastoring in East Tennessee. He used to sing a song. My kids used to love it. I don't know if you've ever heard it. It's called Step Out into the Water, Wade Out a Little Bit Deeper. I don't know if you all have ever heard that song. But he would sing that song, and I love that song. It's like a call to action. It's like a call to go over. It's like a call to cross over. And so this morning, stand with me if you would as we close this morning. I believe we're in the midst of transition. Spiritually, I believe we're in the midst of transition as a church. I believe we're in the midst of transition in our culture. In this hour, we've got to learn the crossover. We've got to be willing to look at His presence and keep our eyes on Jesus and only Jesus. I want to tell y'all, I want to cross over into greater things that God has for me, the greater things God has for our church. I want to step over, and I want the authenticity of our lives to make a difference in our world. Anybody can be religion. We can be religion. Anybody can hold church services. Sing a few songs. Give a few encouraging words. But how many are willing to get their feet wet? To find people that have need and are hurting and to meet those needs. To be a church that helps people transition from an old life into a new life. Because the truth is, I don't think it's going to be very long before God starts wrapping this whole thing up. I believe the coming of the Lord is soon. You say, Preacher, are you trying to scare me? Yep. I'm trying to scare hell right out of you. Why? Because it's the reality. Jesus is coming soon. And I hope you're ready this morning. I hope you're ready to meet him. But it's time to cross over. It's time to go a little bit deeper spiritually. It's time to step up. It's time to fulfill what God has called us to do. I'm telling you, these nine years have been awesome and wonderful. God has done a lot. But I'm here to tell you, the best is yet to come. God is getting ready to take us into dimensions that are far greater than what we've ever imagined God to be able to do. But we got to go after Him. we got to be willing to say, I'm going to believe the impossible. I'm going to believe the impossible this morning. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to know Jesus. Let me tell you the greatest decision you'll ever make is to know Christ. 34 years ago this week, I made a decision to follow Jesus. I've not regretted one day. It's not been easy, but I've not regretted it one day. God gave me my sanity back. He gave my life back. Put joy in my heart. It's a joy to serve God. It's a joy to be a part of His kingdom. Let me tell you, the church ain't perfect. We're not perfect. Ministers aren't perfect. I'm not perfect. Ask my wife. She's got a list. (laughs) Don't laugh, your wife's got one too. (laughs) We're not perfect, but we know one who is. I just want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray that God will put in you a spirit of transition, a willingness to cross over, a willingness to go. Come on, like Star Trek, right? Let's go where no man has gone before, right? Except instead of Captain Kirk and the Starship Enterprise, it's Jesus aboard the church, being led by the Holy Ghost. If you're willing to go this morning, I want you to put your hand on your heart this morning. If you're willing to step into the waters, wade out a little bit deeper, you're willing to cross over into a better place spiritually Father we put our hands on our heart as a sign of surrender for God we know that out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks it's where our confession comes from and Father we pray that you will touch our hearts this morning that God you will speak to us that there's you have more for us you have greater encounters for us than what we're even experiencing right now. There's levels of freedom that we can arise to that we have not even known yet. There's your presence that we've not even encountered yet that we believe is coming. And so, Lord, we pray that you'll position us this morning. Position us from the fact that we know that, God, you were with us before. You will be with us in the future. Let us look back, God, and know that you will provide for us. Just as you provided for the children of Israel in the wilderness, so have you provided for us. We know your presence is with us in the midst of change. Some of us, things around us are changing so fast we can't even keep up. But we know you're there with us. You're our cloud by day and fire by night's. Hallelujah. We thank you, God. Let us be willing to respond to your instruction. The Bible says they all crossed over. And the Jordan, the waters were held back. And they crossed over into the promised land. The Bible tells us in chapter 2 that Rahab told the spies, she said, we knew that when God brought you through the Red Sea, we knew that the Lord God of heaven was with you. Lord, as we progress in our spiritual lives, let the enemy tremble at our coming. Let the enemy tremble at our coming. And if there's anybody here this morning that is going through transition and change in their life and they need prayer, I just pray the peace of God be with them. Though this season may be very difficult for them, I pray a peace that passes all understanding that comes on them. As our world is changing, God, you have helped bring us through this pandemic. We thank you for your protection over our lives. We thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We pray this prayer this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Would you give the Lord a clap offering this morning? Thank you for joining us for River Valley Community Church's podcast. If you feel led to give, you can click on the donation link in the description or visit our website at rivervalleymadison.com. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.